Listeners, you're listening to a festive episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. We are a podcast where we three friends get together, virtually until safe to do otherwise, and talk about a horror movie, or some kind of movie, and are recently watched. We're going to spoil the featured attraction, but we're going to try not to spoil the recently watched, which we will do first. We are not professional critics, but you know what? Sometimes you don't need to be. And uh, we thank the Moonrays for giving us that song, Intro Creature Features, at the top of the show. Uh, you can find their music on uh, Apple Music or Amazon, where you can buy it digitally, or say hello to them on Facebook, where they are the Moon-Rays. So, guys, recently watched, who wants to start? Jolian, do you want to start it? The, re- the recently watched? Okay. Uh, uh, I've finished up watching a bunch of Yeti movies. And uh, uh, I watched uh, some, yeah, mostly non-horror. Uh, I watched some Bergman, and uh, uh, I watched a, a couple of uh, Russian science fiction movies. Um, lots Anything of Laurel and Hardy. Uh, in terms of the, the Russian stuff. Yeah, the Russian sci-fi. Yeah, I, uh, I saw one called uh, Andromeda Nebula from 1968. And that, uh, it's really good looking. It's kind of a uh, stiff movie. It's like this uh, uh, Soviet utopian future. It's like the Soviet version of Star Trek. Uh, and everyone like looks like they've got their wardrobe from the same place. And uh, uh, it's all like clean lines and bold patterns mm. and and stuff uh, um, you've got this mission that goes out to uh, meet this uh, intelligence out in space and they get drawn onto this the ships are being wrecked there um, yeah so it's the, the acting they're kind of but uh, it looks really good and uh, it really it really leans heavily on um, uh, the time differential between earth and people going out into space uh, mm. you know you don't tend to see that much in uh, science fiction oh. no but there's it's this this mission's gone out into deep space, and uh, so some of them have left their loved ones again for 25 years or so. Um, so they start up affairs, and, <laughs> and the people out in the, the mission are kind of uh, starting up their own affairs. And um, they get at one point they get this transmission from a different planet colony, and it's this uh, kind of um, ballet dance number with all these. And you're watching this thing, but uh, yeah, it's got you know robots and spacecraft and, and stuff in it. Um, so uh, I, I enjoyed that one. Uh, I saw a British one called uh, uh, Thin Air, aka Invasion of the Body Stealers. 
<laughs> That's the one about uh, uh, skydivers being snatched out of midair. Um, you know, they have to uh, figure out what, what's going on. Um, so that, that was quite amusing. It, you know, it's got uh, the, the hero in it is this complete dinosaur of, uh, you know, machismo. And uh, he, he's like, he's, he basically jumps into bed with every, or tries to, with every single woman that turns up in the, in the movie. Um, yes, that one's, that one's quite amusing. But yeah, apart from that, uh, TCM's uh, stars of the month have been uh, Laurel and Hardy. So I've just been watching a ton of them. You know, I've seen them before, but they're always uh, always a joy. Yeah. Oh, just before I uh, uh, came on, I checked in on Facebook to make sure I, you know, if there are any messages from you guys. And uh, like a couple of days ago, I posted this uh, book cover I did for a, uh, is is basically a picture book about uh, Paul Nashi. Mm-hmm. You know. Into Molina, uh, did with the Spanish werewolf movies. Yeah, mm, and right. uh, yeah, and his, his, it had been shared by uh, someone with his same surname, and uh, I, I checked it, and it was, it's his son. Oh, cool! Oh, it's, yeah, it's like uh, you, know, you can see on Facebook his and underneath his name, his name it says like, uh, uh, "He's your Del Hombre Lobo." <laughs> so I presume that's his, that's his son. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was really cool. But um, yeah, that is anyway, cool. that's uh, that's basically what I have watched. Oh, that's a good bunch. Uh, and I'm now drinking eggnog thanks to my wife. Oh, good. Mm. Yeah, there were there were a couple places where your audio went a little robotic there, but I think we got pretty much the meaning of what you were saying uh, when you were talking about the. I, I'm replacing myself with cyber parts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it worked in the movie. <laughs> yeah, that now that that subgenre subgenre could be called Sovietopia. Wow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Why not? Uh, Will, do you want to go next? It is now. <laughs> right. Sure. Uh, uh, not watched too much lately. Um, Deep Space Nine, uh, a couple Shit's Creeks. Uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm Season 10. A couple episodes of that. Uh, I've somehow forgotten about that show. Um, and uh, coincidentally, I've also been watching Laurel and Hardy. Um, <laughs> so I just happened to land on one that I had not seen on, uh, on Prime. And so I looked them up and there's Umpteen trillion shorts mm-hmm. uh, from Excellent. the late 20s or so. Uh, they, they're fantastic, of course. Uh, t- sadly, the anti alias thing is that word? Anyway, the video quality is not great. It's got a lot of uh, sort of artifacts to it. Um. I think that's about it. So you kept it pretty light until Friday, or uh, yeah, until Friday. I have not been feeling well at all. I've started dialysis, though, so I'm doing a little better. Oh. Cool. I can cut that part out if you want. But uh, how, okay. how's it working? I don't care. Okay. How's it working? 
I mean, does it? <laughs> it's a horror show. They pump your blood out of your body into a machine and then bump back into your body. Damn. So, like, what they did to Keith Richards. I don't Richards. mind the sight of other people's blood. I could watch plastic <laughs> surgery shows, no problem. And I used to because mm-hmm. I have some problems. But, uh, <laughs> ooh, the uh, sight of my own blood is a little bothersome. <laughs> Well, at least they were putting it back yes. in. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll... So, uh, so should we take it easy on vampire movies for a while? No, that's fine. Oh, okay. Well, damn. Uh, that's a tough act to follow, but I'll try. So I watched, because I was still kind of on the JFK thing last time. Uh, so right when, yeah. we, right when we were done, I watched one that was... Uh, it was a little more of a historical document of what happened. Uh, it was called JFK 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. And when I I pulled this up to see, this came out in 2013, it was like Secrets of the Dead episode, supposedly, but it was like 90 minutes long, so I don't know why it came up as being part of a series. But um, it was narrated by George Clooney, and it essentially covered... What happened um, on the day in Dallas, uh, and it was between the new, um, between the New York uh, CBS newsroom where Walter Cronkite was headquartered, and uh, and it was it was like they had to go back and forth because they didn't know for sure what had happened, and it's just like anything that happens in the news, it's like you get two or three different death tolls on things before they finally tell you something and something you can know for sure. Uh, well, it was much worse back then and everyone had to run to a phone to be able to get information back and forth. Uh, but it's, it's really interesting. It's style stylistically. It's a good documentary, uh, short, well, not short, but it's a good documentary. And, uh, I kind of had, had gotten some of these suggestions pop up and I thought, you know what, I'm not going to scroll and scroll forever. So I'm going to just click on one of these things. Because although I'm not a fan of Leonard Skinner, it's like, well, I know that a bunch of the members died in a plane crash and other members survived. I didn't really know much else about it other than it was a medium to small plane. It went down in a swamp kind of area. So I watched a documentary called I'll Never Forget You, The Last 72 Hours of Leonard Skinner. And it was from their kind of security manager guy who was um, best friends with uh, Van Zandt growing up. And he, uh, he didn't drink or do drugs. So he was kind of the perfect guy to sort of try and keep everybody on track while they were touring. And he did survive the plane crash. He got pretty badly injured as did several other people, but it's, um, it's interesting what they go into. Uh, I watched Rolling Stone life and death of Brian Jones. This was from 2020. So both of these are recent entries into the documentary of who died and how now are you guys at all familiar with Brian Jones? He was sort of considered the co-founder of the Rolling Stones like, and probably the better, probably the better musician. If you put him next to Keith Richards, um, the documentary talks about the, the events that led them to getting together as a band and what led them to going their separate ways. Uh, it's a, fairly provocative subtly so but it's provocative in the sense that it it goes down some paths of 
things that the police did to sort of try to frame the band into, uh, you know, maybe putting an end to this rowdy bunch of rock stars, but uh, that didn't really work. But they go into um, like Brian Jones being asthmatic and doing a lot of drugs and alcohol, but then within two weeks of being sort of kicked out of the Rolling Stones, he ends up dead. Well, the film sort of, uh, sort of puts forward the theory that this guy, uh, Frank Thorogood, who was working on the mansion out in the country, uh, had been sort of freeloading him and his crew were sort of freeloading on Brian Jones and he'd, he'd been fired and was still hanging around. And then Brian Jones ends up floating in a swimming pool. Now, the reason to be suspicious, other than the fact that there were hurt feelings and the end of a business arrangement, was that the water they found in Brian Jones's lungs was not chlorinated, but fresh water. So, that says he may have been drowned over in this other thing and then thrown in the pool. Interesting, but uh, I don't know if that's a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> it happened 53 years ago. Uh, but anyway, that one was interesting. Uh, what I watched that wasn't good since last time, uh, Barracuda from 2013. I thought, oh yeah, I used to have a, a 64 Barracuda. This one has a 66 in it. Uh, it's about a woman who's a sex, uh, phone sex operator who sort of discovers that some of the people phoning in maybe have done some bad things for real in their life. So she goes on this sort of revenge spree driving across country in the 66 Plymouth Barracuda. It's not good and nobody in it can act. So it's not good. <laughs> it's really bad. Uh, does it have the heart song? It I don't think it does. I'm pretty sure I would have remembered like, wow, that band would be really disappointed. <laughs> but uh, anyway. And they should have at least had a, a shitty cover. Yeah. Of Barracuda. What were they thinking? Maybe Marilyn Manson could cover it. Mm. <laughs> I love when he covers stuff. <laughs> I was thinking like 311 or, you know. Uh, Smash Mouth. Someone a little more pop punk. Smash Mouth. Oh, Smash Mouth. Yep. Smash Mouth cover of Barracuda. Yep. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's the one. All right. So moving on, I saw Night of the Demons, not the 1988 original, but the 2009 remake. Um, it's not good. Uh, it, it looks flat. No? It looks flashy. And in some areas it's, got the sexy people doing the sexy things but it's it's pretty much pointless to have remade this movie it's it's pretty much crap um and the ethan hawk vehicle <laughs> that's a funny way to put it tesla <laughs> um the movie about nikola tesla i don't know what they were trying to do stylistically because sometimes you feel like you're watching a play uh the way it's set up and you do have this this wife character of his at a computer telling you about the Google results of Edison and the Google results of Tesla and, uh, telling you some things that you should know. And Tesla then wasn't married. Uh, maybe it was his, I don't know. It was some woman in his life. Anyway, was he never married? 
he was afraid of that and was in love with a pigeon. <laughs> that sounds about right. Um, I- ironically, the car he drove was a Barracuda. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was. <laughs> it was a steam-powered Barracuda from the day. Uh, they did a lot of weird stuff where, where it looked like someone was in front of a green screen. And I don't know what they were trying, what they were trying to do. Um, Jim Gaffigan was in it. He did a really good job. Uh, he should consider the facial hair that they glued on him for this. Uh, I couldn't even tell you who he played. Uh, and, uh, Kyle McLaughlin played Edison. He did a pretty good job. Everyone acting did a good job. It was just weird choices for production and direction. Um, then a couple episodes of the David Letterman series on Netflix called my next guest needs no introduction. I watched a couple of those and Saturn three, which looks really good on YouTube surprisingly. So yeah, yeah, that was, uh, uh, to bring it to bring it to present. That's, that's everything since last week. Uh, you mentioned George Clooney. Uh, his his new movie is on Netflix this week. Oh, what is coming it coming up this week? Uh, Midnight Sun. Okay, I'll have to uh, check that out and see if that's something good. Um, there's a bunch of stuff coming out this week. They want to keep us entertained during Christmas time. Um, do you guys want me to talk about Robanza and Robonica real quick? Sure. <laughs> Since we're essentially uh, celebrating Robonica by doing a movie with a couple of Jewish actors and a robot. So, um, so Robonza is a robot holiday invented by Bender, uh, the robot in Futurama. This is all stuff within the universe of Futurama. As an excuse to skip work, it was a tribute to his ancestral prototypes and was celebrated by drinking contests. It was celebrated one month before Robomadon, which itself is celebrated one month before Robonica, both of which were also invented by Bender. Um, Robonica is first mentioned in the episode Fear of a Bot Planet and is supposed to be the holiest two weeks on the robot calendar. You can also see reference to this in the Futurama Holiday Special, where John Goodman does the voice of the evil Santa robot. This is... Always great stuff this time of year. Yeah, so uh, at this point, uh, the robot holidays last, the the holidays and tradition last for six and a half weeks instead of two, because I believe they added, uh, uh, yeah, Robanza, which is essentially Kwanzaa for robots. So there's that. Uh, So we're celebrating Robanza by having watched Saturn 3. Jolien. You suggested this one. Do you want to give a brief overview of it? I thought it was yes. Robonica. <laughs> oh, yeah, Robonica. Sorry. Yeah, if you want to go ahead and give a description, that's cool. Okay. Uh, so Saturn 3 uh, came out in 1980. Uh, this stars uh, uh, Farrah Fawcett and Kirk Douglas as a couple of scientists who are running a uh, uh, food development station on Titan the third moon of Saturn mm-hmm. and uh, have, having a pretty idyllic existence. Um, although he's twice her age right. and is very well aware. Although, it, you know, he's, he's pretty fit, but um, 
she's not so aware of it because she anyway uh into this eden uh uh, he he's named uh, Adam, by the way. Yeah. In case you didn't catch that. Mm-hmm. And she she's named Alex. So into this Eden mm-hmm. comes this uh, uh, fellow. He's pretending to be Captain James, but he's actually um, killed Captain James in a spectacular fashion and taken his place. Uh, he's a, uh, a fellow named Benson, and he, he's uh, mentally unstable. And he's played by Harvey Keitel. And along with him, he brings a um, uh, you know snap together robot uh, called Hector, who's the uh, who's in the Demigod series. Uh, he's got a lab-grown organic brain uh, that slots into him, and uh, so he can learn stuff. And uh, uh, you know, um, and in true Frankenstein fashion, uh, when his uh, father is someone like uh, a, a maniac uh, he, he learns to be a maniac and uh, he, he also inherits um, Benson's uh, lust for uh, Alex so she's the uh, object of desire of uh, uh, like three three people <laughs> in this uh, little uh, space station um, uh, they also have a dog named Sally that, that dies and um, Anyway, uh, so of course things get very, uh, very messy and uh, and murderous. I'd say that's a really good description of this. Um, for being such a giant brain that they insert into the robot, it does really have a tiny head. And I just, mm-hmm. it was, hmm. Uh, I was having trouble getting past that to just sort of enjoy the robot for how it looked pretty good. <laughs> Otherwise it's like, it's like they started from the ground and worked their way yeah, up. That little head was too goofy. It was, it was like they ran out of budget at about the shoulders and said, all right, well, uh, here, just stick this on there it, with the security camera. Just stick this on the shoulders. It'll, it'll work. <laughs> they, they did have another head, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't working out. It did not test. If well. you, if you read up on the making of this movie, it's really interesting, you know, how, you know, how it came out. So, uh, it's, it's such a mess. Um, they, uh, they, they had like one shop built the robot, but this shop wasn't experienced in physical special effects. So when the special effects team had to deal with the robot on set, it kept breaking down and delaying things over and over and over because it just wasn't built to move like they wanted it to. So they, they basically redesigned it and they redid the, redid the head. Uh, they had to, had to refit the whole thing. So the, uh, cast and crew got very impatient, got quite, quite a bad atmosphere on the set apparently. Hmm. Um, casting was interesting. Uh, apparently, uh, they cast Farrah Fawcett when she was sort of at the height of her powers in 1978. Uh, assuming this was filmed in 78, 79. Uh, I think 78 is when her famous poster came out, isn't it? The, the, the red mm-hmm. bathing suit poster. Yeah. So she probably, I would say, yeah. I would say she probably didn't need the money, but they paid her $750,000 in 1978 bucks, which is like $3 trillion today. Um, 
And they wanted to cast Sean Connery or Michael Caine, who both turned down the part. Kirk Douglas was cool with it. He said, well, just, you know, shave my body and make sure I'm nude in this. <laughs> so they, uh, they paid uh, Harvey Keitel $90,000 and uh, they would have paid him more, except for they didn't use his voice. <laughs> so they didn't like... Yeah, he, he refused to... He refused to use uh, to do the uh, ADR, so they got in um, someone else to uh, dub everything. Uh, Roy Dotrice. Oh, okay. Dubbed him. He wasn't British <laughs> at one point. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, didn't like the Brooklyn accent, maybe. I think that's where Harvey Keitel's from. It's like <laughs> yeah, he's got a Brooklyn accent. They they want him to be more demure, so they went with this sort of nondescript it was it was bizarre it, watching his that voice come out of his face yeah i thought he was the robot you know that would have made that would have made yes. the movie more interesting but the, the delivery of him and uh, farah Fawcett is just so flat i thought both of them were going to turn out to be androids <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah um <clears throat> No. Yeah, you, you almost expect a twist in this. I'm not quite sure why, but it's sort of so straightforward of a story. Yeah, you were, you were hoping for some what they call writing. Um, <laughs> but, but, Is that what I want? I think they did this with post-it notes. With I don't know. Uh, they just switched post-it notes around until they felt like it flowed easily and quickly. Uh, I don't know. It, it doesn't ask, doesn't ask the viewer to really engage with this thing. It, it, it just sort of like, Oh, you guys are dumb, right? We'll just give you a bunch of stuff that it looks good. It, the, the flashing light stuff all looks really yes. good. The sets are beautiful. And it's like, they ran out of money to pay someone to write it. So they, they just said, here, uh, <laughs> run around and look scared. Oh, they had lots of people working on this. <laughs> There's lots of lots of script doctoring on this. Oh, um, really? That was its problem. Yeah, they, I, in fact, the, uh, they, it was begun before they had a script, um, a finished script anyway. Hmm. It, it oh, was a long time in gestation, wow. like the... Uh, the guy who came up with the initial idea in the, in 1975 was uh, John Barry, not the not the composer, but the right. uh, set designer. And uh, you know he he worked on the Star Wars series and uh, Superman and things like that. But he had this idea, and he he uh, he told um, Stanley Donan about it. Stanley Donan is the director, you know, is famous for singing in the rain, etc. And uh, Stanley Donan liked him, and he, he said, uh, he, you know, this this is a good vehicle for you to do your first uh, feature film as director. Just do a, like a low budget um, little movie to get you started. But uh, of course, once people like Farrah Fawcett and Kirk Douglas were getting signed on, it just ballooned up into this, you know, $10 million plus uh, film. And then, then John Barry, uh, uh, he, he was on it for about two weeks and then he had to leave um, you know, uh, some of the cast were really upset with him. Um, you know, all of them were having problems and uh, delaying production, and the robot wasn't working. 
Um, so he left and he went back to work on um, Empire Strikes Back. And then two weeks after going back to that, he died of uh, meningitis. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, a bit, of a bit of a tragedy for him. Yeah, that's so weird. Um... But there, there, there are lots of scriptures on this. Like, uh, his, his, uh, he had his initial drafts. Then they brought in Martin Amis, the, uh, who was like his hotshot young uh, British author at the time, to work on the script. So that's why you see his, his name on it. But then after him, they brought in loads of uh, script doctors. Um, so uh, yeah, nobody they, could yeah, do really anything got... with it. Right. Yeah, there were, um, there were some crazy edits that happened too, apparently. <clears throat> um, yes. I got to say, though, that uh, the overall premise of this thing, uh, it seems like it, it picks from some other movies, but the overall premise of it is not a terrible idea. Uh, it felt like it had, uh, was it Logan's Run or Silent Running? What was the one that had the little little robots? I think, I think it was Silent Running. Silent Running. Silent Running. Okay, yeah. That's what I thought this movie was. Yeah, it kind of. Looked... I had Silent Running confused with Saturn Three. I think because there's three little robots in ah. Silent Running. Yeah. So when you said Robonica, I thought Bruce Dern's Jewish. Yeah, yeah that that would work. Okay. That would work too, wouldn't it? Um... So it so it was very confusing when Farrah Fawcett's name came up. You're like, what's she like, doing? I don't remember Fawcett being in in silent running, which I thought was Saturn three. And then, and then it started and I was like, Oh, this is the robot. This is the robot movie where the robot falls through the floor. And that's all I remembered of this movie. Oh, well, at least, at least you had that part of it. Now I got to ask you guys, do you, do you think it's a fundamental flaw in a locker room to have a uh, thing that can <laughs> suck you out into space and break you into little Kill pieces. You? Yeah, freeze you, break you into little pieces. Yeah, and just shoot you out in the into yeah, the, yeah. I mean, maybe that's where they toss their old socks. Yeah, maybe it's like a laundry chute, mm, perhaps. So yeah, Harvey Keitel uh, is mentally unstable. So what's whatever his character's name was? We'll just call him Harvey Keitel, Captain Benson, uh, James. Uh, Okay, yes. So James is uh, mentally unstable. So what's the the guy? No, no. Uh, ben Benson's the mentally unstable guy, and he takes the place of James. Okay, Captain James. So Captain James. Captain James is the one who gets thrown out the airlock. Yeah. So he's he's clearly got a great idea to taunt the mentally unstable guy, and then, and then watch him strap himself in and. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. So another reason to detest locker rooms. <laughs> so then uh, they, he gets onto the ship to go to the third moon of Saturn for this, uh, this mission. No one even checks his ID or asks him to show his face. Just, <laughs> Oh, you've got, you've got the suit and the helmet. Yeah. Come on in. <laughs> let's send you, <laughs> let's send you on the mission. I don't know what his end game was yeah. going to be. Like just take over Saturn three and stay there. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure what his, his end goal is. Yeah, and he wants to prove his robot. Yeah. But, um, did did he engineer this thing or did he just take it? 
I mean, he is he particularly uh, invested? Not sure. Because I didn't get that he was particularly invested in it because he had anything to do with the creation of it. He says it's from the Demigod series, and uh, here's this organic brain. Go. Uh, he snaps yeah. it together like Legos, and that's, yeah. Yeah, he seems to be more just a, a technician instead of someone who, you know, designed the robot. Yeah. So he can put it they together. They didn't feel the need to include the audience on a lot of things. No, <laughs> no you're right. <laughs> Who are we you anyway? You aren't going to trouble us with details. No, don't, don't annoy us with the facts. Just give us blinky lights and, uh, uh, you know, there's going to... So listen, guys, there's going to be Kirk Douglas and Farrah Fawcett and some nudity. I'm not going to tell you who's going to be naked. <laughs> But it's not Farrah Fawcett. <laughs> she sort of shows her back. And, you know, that's... Oh, she gets nude. Does does she really? She's nude in the beginning. Really? Yeah, you missed yeah. it. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll rewatch it, I guess. But it, it doesn't matter. I mean, I'm, I never thought she was... Uh... She also gets into a Barbarella outfit in the, in the cut scene. Uh, and a Barbarella hairdo at the very end. Yeah. <laughs> Are you talking about the suspender thing I read about where she's wearing like just suspenders or something? Uh, yeah, you can see it on uh, YouTube. It's, um, uh, it's this cutscene like uh, the, the first edit was 100. Well, first release print was 103 minutes. Um, and it's got a couple of scenes in it. Um, one scene is uh, Hector disassembling Benson. Okay. Like he was a robot, and then the uh, and then the other long scene is um, uh, Benson. Give you know, no, he's he's entered their Eden. He tempts them with the uh, the blue pill of knowledge, and uh, they so they cut up they cut the blue pill in half and and uh, and drop it in their apartment, and uh, mm -hmm. they both start like dancing and freaking out. Uh, she uh, he pours this drink for himself and while he's doing that she changes into a something less comfortable and she comes out and she's got this kind of barbarella outfit on and uh as <laughs> yeah, pretty spectacular uh, and then he uh, then he really freaks out and he uh, he imagines that he's um stabbing benson to death with a bottle like he stabs him in the the neck and kills him <laughs> nice Okay. All right. I just did a Google image search. That is fully a Barbarella costume. Yeah. Yeah. Weird, but okay. Yeah. She was embarrassed about that and she, she didn't want to want that to be shown. But uh, of course that became part of the publicity around the world. If you look at some of the posters for this movie in, in other countries, uh, that, that costume is front and center, even though it doesn't appear in the movie. Okay. Let's see. That's about right. All right, I'm I'm googling this while we're <clears throat> while we're talking, and yeah, there's um, there's a lot going on here. <laughs> yeah, they they got to see it in Germany and Australia, I think, but uh, in the U.S. and the U.K., that that bit's cut. Okay. Yeah, it's it's really weird that they went through so much trouble. 
it's it's kind of like that thing where they say too many cooks, you know. But, oh yeah. Yeah, I think that's what happened here, because if they just had some something more of a focused vision, there was plenty going on with the sets and the props, and there were certainly talented actors. I don't think they were given enough to work with. Um, maybe it wasn't good chemistry. I don't know what, but, uh, I didn't believe any of them. Uh, Harvey Keitel, I think (laughs) sold it the best, but I felt like Kirk Douglas was just like, all right, I'll do this thing. It's silly, but I'll do it. He's the most human and emotional character though, isn't he? He is. Yeah. I like Kirk Douglas in that. But but I don't I don't believe that he's really in space and doing. Oh no, I didn't believe any of this was happening in space. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so it wasn't just me. Uh, yeah, I believed him emotionally. No, no. But I don't know what you got to do to sell it that it's in space. But none of them, none of them really did. Harvey Keitel did come across sinister though. But I, but I think he was still kind of working out his chops acting wise, and uh, he's he's gotten better each movie he's done. I, I don't know about recently, but at least up till Pulp Fiction. Um, yeah, I, I'm before this he was in uh, Taxi Driver, wasn't he? But you know, I can't think of anything else he did before this. Yeah. Yeah, I was trying to think of, of what he was in before this too. Yeah, let's, I guess we could IMDb him. Yeah, we could do that. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, he he was weird without his own voice. That was really strange. All right, let's see. Um, Harvey Keitel. <clears throat> All right, so we've got. Let's see. Well, we can go way back. So let's do that. All right. So he had done before this. Oh, wow. He went, he went way back to the sixties. He was even in Hogan's heroes as a German soldier. Uh, all right. (laughs) Wow. Did they, did they dab him for that? (laughs) I would, I would think he would at least try to do a German accent. Okay, so he was in Mean Streets. Uh, he played Charlie. Okay, yeah. Okay, so that makes sense. He did a bunch of other stuff. He did some episodes of, like, Kojak and FBI. Uh, he was in Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. Uh, something called That's the Way of the World. Yeah, now I remember him on Kojak. Yeah? <laughs> You've watched Kojak a few times. Yeah. Uh, Mother Jugs and I've Speed. I've watched Kojak a few times. <laughs> Uh, Mother Jugs and Speed. He played Speed. <laughs> um, welcome. Not Mother or Jug? <laughs> no. <laughs> he didn't have to wear any prosthetics. Uh, he was in Welcome to L.A., The Duelists, Blue Collar, Fingers, Eagle's Wing. Oh, yeah. And Death Watch. So, it was, uh, right. it was a lot of stuff that he did, but... Um, Oh man, I forgot that he played Judas in Last Temptation of Christ. Weird casting in that yeah, movie. Red hair. 
Yeah, that was such a strange movie. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but Bad Lieutenant, Reservoir Dogs, all that stuff was really kind of crazy. Um, so anyway, uh, we, we have a, uh, like you said, a Frankenstein situation, robot gone crazy, which didn't even take long, like from assembly to crazy, you know, what, five, 10 minutes. <laughs> I don't mean in yeah. I don't mean in movie right. time. I mean like in screen time, uh, <laughs> and and he's trying to kind of override the robot's programming and understanding and basically say, yeah, don't be calling me a killer, you know, but uh, he is a killer. He killed that guy in the locker room, and uh, he's also uh, impersonating him, and the robot's just like, yeah, okay we'll work out an arrangement here where I act like everything's cool and then, uh, rip your head off and, uh, wear it for a while, which apparently was the result of a scene we didn't see. And, uh, yes, he's, he's going to go after, um, the Farrah Fawcett character, Alex. So we have a very motivated, um, robot. They should have called him Randy, the robot, but, uh, <laughs> But he's chasing, he's really after her. He wants to, let's see, he wants, he wants to, um. Yeah, you're not sure what he's going to do. No, like, he doesn't even have those parts. What's he want with her? Or does he? I mean, his, his, his main move seems to be holding her up in the air by her wrists. Yeah, maybe that's what robots do for physical gratification. I don't know. But he's really super interested in her. And uh, Kirk Douglas's character, Adam, is <clears throat> not only very familiar with their, their uh, space station or whatever you want to call it, but he's also, um, he's also very smart and very clever. So he's, he's working on ways to uh, get away from the robot. And first thing is they all have to get away from the robot and it's tearing the door down and they're watching this on camera. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, uh, what's his name? Uh, Benson? Is that what we're calling him? Harvey Keitel's character? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't catch it in the movie. I had to read it and, uh, on, on, you know, in books to find out what it is. Yeah, and he wasn't, he wasn't too worried about the yeah, robot. I don't yeah. So, did you guys really buy the peril in this thing at all? Did Did you feel tense? Was it suspenseful for you? Well, the robot seems so large and slow. <clears throat> kind of unbelievable that he could sneak up on you. Plus, he always had you know some yes. sort of theremin sting to go with the sound effect, the soundtrack. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It wasn't really like there was much to be worried about. Um, they they tried to take him apart, and then he sort of possessed other robotic stuff in the space station. Isn't that? Am I remembering that correctly? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he he takes over the bases of other robots, and they put him back together. Yeah, that's what. Okay, so kind of like Maximum Overdrive. We had some of that going on. <laughs> well, what I, what I was thinking of when. Uh, uh, was a forbidden planet because he's he's this kind of id monster 
and uh, you've got this mad scientist and you've got uh, uh, the doors in the station are the like vaguely triangular these kind of rhomboid doors yeah. they go through that they reminded me of the doors in uh, Dr. Morbius's pad in oh, yeah. Planet. Now uh, he's yeah. acting out the sexual impulses of uh, of the the human characters, and uh, you've also got the human character who's who's been living on the station all this time, and he's got this basically a daughter figure that he's having a relationship with, and that's that's pretty similar to Forbidden Planet as well. Yeah. Now, yeah. should we warn the should we warn the listeners that you're not comparing this to to Forbidden Planet? Uh, <laughs> quality wise no no not not quality wise no no but uh i i think those those themes are there yeah well in, in the soundtrack is what reminded me most forbidden planet the soundtrack was by elmer bernstein and they cut most of it uh he was very unhappy about that what's um so what what films has he scored that that um, we would know? Anything you could think most of? Most it was cut. So yeah, he took some of the themes. He well, he he reused a theme he did for this one for uh, heavy metal. I think that was the next uh, one of the next projects he did. Oh, cool. Uh, let's see. Oh, he worked on the Ten Commandments. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> So we've got music being cut, we've got scenes being cut, we've got uh, scripts being doctored. What could possibly go wrong? Um, Another thing you, you notice straight off is uh, how how bad the miniature space effects look. Um, yeah. They, they look really lousy. Uh, is this... Uh, the shop doing it was uh, Oxford Scientific Films, and they've done really good work. You know, they've they've worked on Superman and Alien and Flash Gordon, um, but uh, they had very little money to work with because the producer of this film, uh, Lou Grade, his other film he was working on at this time was uh, Raise the Titanic, and that was just sucking up money from everywhere. So uh, it wasn't money left over to do decent effects on this movie, and they were they spent like over 10% of the budget just on doing Hector. Mm. Now, yeah. Uh, yeah so, the, so in uh, fact, some of the shots you see of Saturn are taken from a 1975 TV show called uh, Space 1999. Oh. Oh, my God. <laughs> and that ship that flies over in that first scene, they're trying to put you in mind of Star Wars, clearly. I mean, let's... Let's not pretend they aren't, because that's the first thing you see in Star Wars. <laughs> it's the first thing you see in this movie. Uh, it felt like it was borrowing stuff from Star Wars and Alien and Forbidden Planet and a few other things. Silent Running. <laughs> and uh, yet it couldn't assemble them into something that actually felt cohesive and good. It's like it, it had good bits and parts mm-hmm. in it, but... It didn't really come together. I won't say it wasn't entertaining. Like I was entertained by <laughs> stuff in it. <laughs> uh, Did you enjoy it, Will? Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, like I said, I think uh, you know um, I'd seen this movie when I was a kid, and all I remembered was the uh, the guy going through the airlock at the beginning, 
and then the robot falling through the floor. And, uh, and it was kind of like what I remember, you know, like, uh, this isn't a great movie. It looks good, but it just mm. it doesn't come together. And yeah, the miniature effects look really bad. Um, I would, I was surprised that it was from 1980. I mean, I figured it, it must have been late seventies, but the effects looked as bad as like late sixties. Um, if you compare this to say, mm-hmm. uh, 2001, which was, you know, what, 12 years earlier, it's, oof. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It took two tries. Well, more than two tries to kill the robot, but, uh, but Adam had to put on a essentially a suicide vest and then tackle the robot back into the weird, whatever that solution, that freezing solution was, and then detonate to end it all. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's what we, that's, well, I, I think we kind of forgot to talk about the weird port in the back of Adam's head which is like the one that Benson had in the back of his. Uh, yeah, it gives, uh, it, it gives uh, Hector, the robot, direct access to Adam's brain. And uh, yeah, a lot of weird stuff going on with uh, things that would come up in later movies that seem to work better. But... Uh, yes. They, they waved off... Uh, the robot waved off any help from uh, the visitors by using their voices. That was interesting. Uh, we saw the Terminator do yes. that a few years later. Oh, we, we saw uh, giant crabs do it in Attack of the Crab Monsters oh, back yeah. in the 50s. Yeah, so it's, it's never new. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Uh, so the final scene, um, Alex is finally heading to Earth like Adam wanted in the first place. Like, I want to I wanna show you Earth. And uh, so she's going to go yeah. see Earth without him and have Barbarella hairdo. Uh, her, her Eden has been destroyed. She has to leave. Uh, go, go into the dirty world outside. Yeah. Ah, yeah, I guess that would be what happened there. Um, and then they, they, they could have played that heroic music and had her and Chewbacca getting uh, medals, but uh, they didn't want to steal that much from Star Wars. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, so we get to the end of the thing, and uh, it's like, uh, wow, this is a perfect setup for a sequel. I sure hope they make one. <laughs> they didn't make Saturn one. Saturn Saturn 4. Saturn 4. <laughs> That's what I want. I want Saturn 4. But this time, can we get, like, uh, Kate Jackson or one of the other angels? I always like them. Oh, better. yeah. Yeah. That would have been that. That would have been great. Uh, yeah, she was, she was overrated. I thought the other two angels did better work than she did. Um, anyway, uh, is this a horror movie? Can we say with the peril and the, and the, uh, the gore and the murder... Can we call it a horror movie? The stalking, the peril. Uh, Here's it's sci-fi with horror elements. I'd say it's got horrific elements, but it's not a horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would say we could agree on that. Um, what about recommending this thing? Can can we? And in what way? 
Mm. Go ahead, Will. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I could recommend this one. And if not, why not? I'm going to say... Uh, I don't... I think it's too slight of a movie to be worth your time. <clears throat> not enough really happens... To, I mean, I watched it all, um, but at the end, it just felt like such a such a slight little nothing. That what was the point? Yeah, yeah. Uh, if I had to watch this or Oculus, I'd watch this. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you still mad at Oculus from last week? It's got, it's got. <laughs> I'm still a little mad. It's definitely got more eye candy than Oculus, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it looks good. I was, I was quite uh, taken by it. I mean, other than the the shitty miniatures, but uh, I liked the sets. I thought they looked pretty good, and uh, you yeah, know, all the blinking lights and everything. Um. They built, you know, more set than they ever needed. Oh, for sure. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they could have put 25 people in a cast down there and, and it wouldn't feel crowded. But, um, yeah, at the end of the day, it just felt like a bunch of nothing. Yeah, they, they had less to work with on Alien as far as the set and did way more story-wise. No, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and maybe if this movie, I don't know, um, if a little more happened or if it was a little, a little more, uh, maybe not stylized is the right word, but a little more of a personal touch from a director, uh, if the story was perhaps a little sleazier even. Oh, yeah. Um, or they were a little more, they had a little more sense of fun with it. You watch it and you don't get the sense that anybody is enjoying themselves at all in this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If, if, okay. If Benson had been less robotic himself, and maybe that's supposed to foreshadow that he ends up with his head ripped off and stuffed on the robot. Um, if he'd been less robotic and a little more sleazy, like if he'd, used his hips a little bit or something. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Shake that ass, Harvey Keitel. Um, but you know, if he, if he'd been sleazier and, uh, if maybe, um, Alex had been tempted and Adam had gotten a little more angry about it, like violently angry about it, it would have been. Yeah, a I think, I think, you you only really have three people in the cast, and they they almost seem like they didn't interact with one another. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were in scenes together, but they did not really interact. And you could they you know you have you have that that uh, threesome there. There's the most unbalanced group you can have. Uh, somebody's always going to be on the outs there, and you you could really play that up. Yeah, and then you throw the robot in to you know be the murderer, um, but they didn't do that. It just kind of happens. The whole movie is that way. It just 
happens and you're watching it and then it's gone. <laughs> it's like it's it's like when you do creative writing in like fifth grade or something and they're like uh, uh oh shit i gotta write an ending the teacher said three pages yeah uh the end <laughs> so and they oh, all, yeah, this director who didn't intend to do it and uh wasn't much interested in, in material who just like well we've got to finish this off because everyone needs to keep working and we've spent all this money do you think yeah. do you think there were meetings where where some of the people working on this said, "Oh, come on, the people who like sci-fi are stupid. Just just write <laughs> just write an ending. They don't care. They just want to see blinky right blinky lights and and killy robots." <laughs> maybe mm-hmm. maybe uh some old That that may be <laughs> honestly true because uh, you know, sci-fi is kind of a, a I mean, a, a ghetto sort of genre. It's you take what you can get, especially then, you know. Yeah. I'm sure people were thrilled to see Farrah Fawcett in a sci fi film. They, you know, ah, who the fuck cares about the ending? Yeah. Maybe that's, maybe they weren't wrong entirely, but uh, they brought it in under 90 minutes so they could make it about whatever they want. I don't want. know this bomb pretty hard. <laughs> There's a definite uh, self-realizing uh, uh, contempt for science fiction in, in movies. You know, they they think, oh, science fiction is stupid, so we'll make a stupid movie. And then the person who sees that stupid movie thinks, oh, science fiction movies are stupid. So it's this, like, circle. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, actual, actual real science fiction is uh, very rare. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. It's like you know, it's mostly like space opera, you know, stuff where you could just swap every character out for cowboys and and have the same plot, or uh, it's just mm-hmm. a monster movie or or whatever. And, and I enjoy those, but it's not science fiction. No, yeah, yeah you you have to start with a really strong premise, and then have the conflict happen in a meaningful way, and some chemistry with the characters. It's not asking a whole lot. It's like what you should do with any movie. But uh, horror has been treated as bad or worse as far as people making the movies who are dismissive of the genre, which is completely crazy. You you have to have people who care about what they're doing or you're going to end up with this. And we ended up with this. But uh, (laughs) it was kind of fun anyway. I think I'm more forgiving of dumb horror than I am of dumb sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can make horror happen anywhere. It could be any set, any any time period, any any. But science fiction has to be in space, in the future, or uh, you know. Well, it has, it has to, to have, have a scientific science. uh, basis. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the implications of of whatever scientific uh, concept you have. Yeah. That's what the story hangs on. Yeah. Like the sun has burned out and you're relying on your technology to not die because of it or something like that. It has to be. Yeah. Something. (laughs) I was going to say, whereas horror movies, uh, they don't even have to necessarily be logical to be scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, they don't have to be. 
you can you can make up any any rules you want because this, this movie is very much a, like a, when the so I think uh, uh, the original science fiction horror novel was Frankenstein, and this movie is very much a Frankenstein story. Yeah, but it doesn't follow through on the themes it brings up. Like uh, uh, you got these uh, three types of men who are uh, exploiting this angelic innocent woman. Um, yeah. doesn't really go very far with that. Uh, you've got the idea of humanity being replaced, like the the older humans being replaced by the younger, and the, uh, the younger human is uh, replacing uh, humanity with uh, uh, sociopathy and and uh, mechanical devices. Um, you have them being robbed of their identity by these kind of cyberpunk uh, implants, um, but it, it doesn't really follow through with them. Yeah, you also have the sort of biblical allegory, the Garden of Eden bit, and that doesn't really yeah. go anywhere either. Right. And, and Hector refers back to the, uh, the Iliad, doesn't it? Is, yeah, they constantly uh, bring the, that up, but uh, it. it doesn't go anywhere either. <laughs> <laughs> right, mm. why? <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. Does that mean Alex is Achilles or, uh, you know, what? Yeah. What are you trying to say here? Right. Uh, so, have you guys, uh, considering that this is going to drop just before Christmas, and uh, our next one will happen right around New Year's, um, did you have any ideas for what we could do for the next show? We can just outro and and uh, and sort it out in the meantime. Whose turn is it? Is it yours, Will? I think so. All right. Well, you can pick anything you want. I mean, it's going to drop after Christmas, but before New Year's Eve. Um, so All right, I'll get something. I'll think of something. Yeah, if you guys want to... Well, if you don't want to... We could just pick some... We could also pick something from the last decade. Yeah. We'd oh, talk, okay, yeah. Yeah, we talked about that best of the decade thing, huh? Yeah, and I, I don't see myself uh, looking up every film made this past decade. And, and ranking them, but uh, we no, it, that's just a suggestion if you want to pick something that you particularly liked from this decade or the past year or something. Yeah. So, okay. Since this is truly the uh, the the turn of the decade, like we have, yeah. like we like we had to explain a year ago. But uh, yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, maybe we could just talk about some, uh, some things we liked without having to rank them in order or anything. So maybe we can, uh, surprise the listeners. And, uh, I also have a list of killer robot movies. Oh, okay. Hey, hey let's do that before you have we have that now. Yeah. Shall I run through them? Yes, please. Yes. If you want to write down any, you want to watch, then, uh, let me know. Uh, so we've done Chopping Mall. Yeah. Uh, Tammy and the yep. T-Rex we've mentioned. <laughs> yeah. Uh, GOG. G-O-G? Westworld. Huh. Okay. Uh, Terminator. Yeah. There's six of those. Yeah. Uh, Colossus of New York. Uh, the Phantom Creeps with the Bela Lugosi. Oh, Robot yeah. Monster. Yeah. Oh, we all want to see that again. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, zombies of the Stratosphere. Uh, Stepford Wives. Yep. By Robot. Um, the Black Hole. Hardware. X Men Days of Future Past. Robocop. <laughs> Wouldn't mind seeing that again. Yeah. Kronos. Simmons. Uh, who is also in uh, Kiss Meets the Phantom, but they uh, they don't actually kill anyone. Oh, okay. Uh, Deadly Friend, Eve of Distraction, Apex. There's, there's lots of those Terminator ripoffs in the 80s. Uh, Death Machine, Screamers, Red Planet, Hellboy 2, uh, Avengers 2, Age of Ultron, uh, The Incredibles, The World's End, one of oh. the Cornetto trilogy. Yeah. Uh, Transformers, Judge Dredd, Tomb Raider, uh, Kill Command, Class of 1999. Man. All right. That's, that's the a, ones I came up with. That's a good list. Well, to um, to sort of wrap it up an outro. Of, a, lot of, a lot of rubbish in there. Oh, well, of course. There's always going to be. Just like we said earlier, you know, between horror and <laughs> sci-fi. And if you blend the two. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of people who are not as invested as, as they should be. But to sort of outro the thing, um, since this is the true turn of the decade, like we had to explain a year ago, uh, we could talk about some stuff we liked from this past 10 years, and maybe we'll pick something. We, as of right now, have not picked a movie for next week, but we will. And we'll maybe have a little discussion about some stuff we did like because horror always, you know, makes a comeback when you least expect it. All right. Well, um, happy Robonica, uh, Merry Christmas, and <laughs> we'll see you guys in a week. <laughs> and thanks for listening. Something's wrong on Saturn 3.